welcome to Turn It Down, a good podcast about bad music. Every episode, we take a bad song, pull it apart, and try to figure out what went wrong. I'm Joe Oaks. And I'm Steve Sachs. And I'm Avery Mandeville. Welcome to the pod, Avery. Thank you for for coming on. Um, And you brought a song today. What are we going to be listening to? Thank you for having me, guys. Um, Today, we're going to be listening to White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Okay, let's uh, let's let's buckle in and, and dive down the rabbit hole. Nice. Okay. Um, Joe, maybe you can fill us in a little bit. Give us some context for this song. Uh, yeah. I'm so fucking mad. Give us, <laughs> go on, go ahead, give us a little, before Before we launch into this and get Avery's uh, extremely hot take. Yeah, I'll, I'm um, just going to, just real quick. So this, this came out, this is by the band Jefferson Airplane, who are sort of, were part of the summer of love scene in San Francisco, mm. the you know, very crunchy. And what a summer it was. Yes, 1967. This came out June 24th, 1967. So right in the the middle of it. Um, and basically it was on their album, Surrealistic Pillow. It was a massive hit. It was a huge, huge hit. And it's on a lot of like best songs of all time lists, which is why it's interesting. This is, I, this might be the hottest take that we have had. Uh, I think so it is far in the pod. It's it's sort of a a take on Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. So those are the basics of it. Uh, I was wondering, Avery, why? What what about this well, makes you John. mad? Like mad. yeah, Avery. Well, I, John, I, I uh, before you. So I I just want to say I have filled a kettle here um, with chamomile. <laughs> I have poured myself a cup, and I would like you to spill the tea. I will. Um, <laughs> Thank you, so Steve. For the for the listeners at home, something to know about me is that I live to be fighting with people, and most of the time, it's not even about something that I care that deeply about. But I will mm-hmm. devil's advocate, you know, a stance. To, to the ground. And that's something that this song brings out in me to a new degree because it's one of those, like, well-loved, well-remembered, mm-hmm. you know, old men love to be like, oh, yeah, that song rocks. You know what I mean? And it's just one of the many instances in which maybe old men are wrong. And maybe we never needed to love this song culturally and just broadly mm-hmm. when... Lyrics are not not really adding anything at all to the the story that that it's playing off of. It's pretty mm-hmm. straightforward, so it's not really like interesting in that aspect. Um, no real. I mean, I think the individual instrumentation and the the, the individual parts aren't bad, but mm-hmm. they're boring. And 
really the problem, I think, that's the elephant in the room. I can't listen to that melody. And I can't listen to her sing. It's not good. I don't. <laughs> and I don't think we need to keep pretending that that this is valuable. We could stop. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's the essence of my my take, guys. Maybe we should start with the lyrics then. That's probably a good idea. Let's okay. pick. Let's pull these up and go through because there are there are some doozies. <laughs> I will say too, in 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 as we listen to that, just like watching Avery in the little square with like her hand on her head. Just yeah, you're like, just shaking your head, just like yeah. oh my fucking god. I, I have more to say. I just don't want to spill all my beans. No, you I don't wanna, have to. Don't have to spill all your beans just yet. Let's let's pick apart these lyrics a bit, uh, and really um, clarify what's going on here. Cool. Yeah. So Were you able to pull that up, yep. Joe? Or yeah, are you seeing it on the? I got I'm the screen share going. YouTube. Oh, you only have. Dang. Okay. Let's, How many screens you got, my guy? I got all kinds of screens going on here. This is on a split desk. T- whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Thank goodness for jokes because. I can barely operate one screen. I can't seem to make a microphone work. There we so. go. Cool. Yeah, I have my Wikipedia on the right, and then I have this on the left. So Yes, we love genius lyrics. Cool. So genius lyrics, we trust geniuses. So uh, here we go. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small. And the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Alice when she's 10 feet tall profound okay mm-hmm. any issues yet um I other guess, than the overall I so. topic here maybe being kind of corny because for me there's a line in the next verse that's like really tough yeah i i and i think i know which one you mean steve yeah, yeah right i guess i guess no qualms really yet Okay, Joe. Okay, Joe. Would you like to continue? I, I mean, i guess the first thing i want to say is that in in it's important to note that there were no pills in uh, Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> right? We're not talking about, it was like, was it pills? I, I feel like I should know this, but. Wait. It, they were, no, little, chief they just were fall potions, asleep? right? There were potions, a little scene where this happens. I, I like guess she eats go. like little wafers or something. Yeah. Something like that. I, I guess. But no, a, but no pills outright. No, right. Okay. I feel like we should just one-to-one, uh, line this up with the plot of um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the 1865 novel novel by Lewis Carroll, um, who experimented with drugs and stuff. So there there is some of that theme going on. But yeah, I just remember there are two potions. One makes you small, one makes you big. Mm -hmm. She chooses the big one. She's in a little house. And then she gets really, really big, and then she's wearing the house. I'm not referring to the book now. I'm referring to the the cartoon yeah, version, I've, which is I've never I, read the book. Me neither. I've seen the movie. Maybe that's the problem. Why why I don't get this song? But what about like the ones that mother gives you? I was wondering about that too. I'm not sure what that's referring to. The ones that mother gives you. Does that mean like there are like pills that fuck you up, and then there's like the the like like ibuprofen that your mom right. gives you if you're sick. That's and that doesn't really gonna... like do anything. Yeah. Right. Your mom's giving you like a vitamin or some shit. Yeah. Did they have did they have yeah, vitamins in the 60s? Probably, right? <laughs> in what? the 1860s? <laughs> <laughs> this is actually it was written around the 100 year anniversary, although I don't think that was important, but um 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's like your psych meds, right? This is a this is advocating for uh, psychedelic drugs, uh, right? I was, you know, my thought was the pills that mother gives you are not fucking you up. Can I curse mm-hmm. on here? Of course. Yeah, of course, yeah, you can say okay. anything. We haven't. I've listened tag. before. I don't know why I'm questioning. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's all I have for that. What what I want to know is what are we asking Alice? Good question. I don't have a question for her. <laughs> Um, um, maybe cause, well, because she knows she does. Yeah, I know. guess she's been through the experience, she's, whatever that experience may be, whether it's being larger or smaller yeah, than correct. normal. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move to verse. I want, yeah, I want to get to this verse two okay. in, in which the lyrics are, if you go chasing rabbits and you know, you're going to fall, tell them a hookah smoking caterpillar has given you the call, call Alice when she was just small. Hookah smoking caterpillar. It's hard to even say. Hookah smoking caterpillar. Right, and that's why it sounds bad when it's sung. (laughs) She pronounces the hell out of every word, too. I I think that, like, I I saw an interview where she's like, I wanted to enunciate so that the message really got across and people didn't (laughs) understand. Do you want to watch really quick? Yeah, I want to see this. There's an interview uh, here. We were not saying, why don't you guys all go out and take drugs? The only song that talked about drugs, as far as Jefferson Starship or Airplane, was mine. It was called uh, White Rabbit. And all it was doing was letting my parents and everybody's parents know that they had been reading us books written by British author- authors. The British had uh, control over the Far East, Middle East, um, and they had found new drugs which the writers took and then wrote about. Um, Alice in Wonderland sitting on a psychedelic mushroom. There is a uh, worm that is going to turn into a butterfly who hands her a piece of this mushroom and she gets literally high. She grows. and So um, the parents were down on us for taking drugs, so I was just saying, look, you've been reading us drug books for Peter Pan. He sprinkled some white dust all over everybody. So all of these... Uh, the British writers mainly. Her fucking eyes, dude. She's on something in that clip. Acid casualty. I can't tell yeah. if she's like medium woke or Alex Jones. <laughs> right, right, right. With her it's vibe. some combination. Yeah. It's some combination. There's a weird overlap between these like very, very anti government 60s people and then also like the right wing, like libertarian type shit. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those things overlap in a way that I don't like. Right. Have you heard of fish hook theory? It's this idea that like you go so far in one direction that you kind of end up back mm-hmm. in the other mm-hmm. direction. That's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. So yeah, so that's just a goofy ass line, straight up. It is. I also, I'm reading now in the Genius on the right side. This is a yeah. Sam. She's a San Francisco-based singer. Why does she sound like weirdly British? What's up? <laughs> I guess that's just the the enunciation thing we were talking about. But something like that. It's it's immediately post all these people were just kind of like there's like the folk rock thing and then they were ripping off it's like post uh British invasion yeah, right I was stuff. Thinking that I think too. like explicitly trying to do that. There's this article I read a while back about um the way that British singers try to uh, mimic Americans but then American punks tried to m- this is later, of course, but American punks then tried to mimic the British accents that they heard. And then that came back around. So that's happened like a few times where like, so that's how you get to that, like uh, Tom DeLonge 
Um, <laughs> okay. Extreme. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, what's that lyric that uh, I miss you uh, in my oh, head? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, the voice inside my yed. Yeah. So there is this interplay between uh, the the two. You know, these two. That like, makes a lot of sense. Accents. I never, I never thought about that, but. Yeah. Once you once you know it, you can't not hear it. You can't unhear it. It's true. I'd also put Blink One Eighty Two and the Beatles kind of on the same plane <laughs> quality, right. personally. Uh, so verse three here, I, I, the kind of the form of this thing, right? We got the we got the two couplets, and then go ask yeah, Alice this someday. little refrain. Yeah. Yep. And then I think verse three two is like it goes major as well. We have it's almost like a bridge thing. We almost have an A A B A verse one and mm-hmm. two, or this mm-hmm. minor thing. So here, this this kind of gets lifted up a little bit here. So when the men on the chessboard get up and tell you where to go, and you've just had some kind of mushroom and your mind is moving low, go ask Alice. I think she'll know. What are we asking her? <laughs> right. It's- I don't have a question. <laughs> so are we on the chessboard? We're are we friggin' do you, pawns? Do you know what? Do you know what this kind of reminds me of? The way you just read it, and the the way it ends off there is like a Jeopardy question. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Like it feels like go, go ask Alice this. I think she'll know. Yeah. <laughs> then you have to be like, oh, uh, what is um, what is this thing? What yeah. is what is yeah. uh, 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 an incredible bad trip that I'm having right now? <laughs> I guess with I guess the whole point of this song is to figure out the question. Go ask Alice this. Yeah. I think she'll know. <laughs> right. There's got, this has to have been a Jeopardy answer at some point. <laughs> what is hippie nonsense? Um, <laughs> and now we have our final verse. Um, I actually think this is like, th- this is the high point. I mean, I-, I think the feed your head bit at the end here is like transcendent. Truly. I y- think it's good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, 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 and I know you don't like it, Avery. Well, I think we can touch on this in a minute, but I do think that this, like the, the sort of payoff is good, even though some of this is really kind of corny and wacky, right? This feed your head bit is strong. So we got verse four, sure, Steve, sure. <laughs> whatever you say, <laughs> uh, Steve, you want to take this last verse if you're so sure. uh, enamored with it? Yeah. When logic and proportion have fallen sloppy dead, and and the and band. the white knight and the white knight is talking backwards and the red queen's off with her head. Remember what the dormouse said: "Feed your head, feed your head, feed your head." <laughs> <laughs> and and it kind of ends. There. It's like it, it it it's like it escalates. It doesn't really. It's a weird song because it right. doesn't. It doesn't really have like a traditional pop structure of like. Verse, chorus, right, verse, which is chorus, bridge, chorus, or something like that. But I guess, um, and my, almost like unsatisfying in some ways. Anyway, Avery, yeah. Sorry, my issue with the ending is that there's just absolutely no resolve. That, I mean, there's just, it's just the song is over, right? And but you like that? I mean, no, because it's not playing anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, definitely, but. Um, <laughs> As as a person who generally likes to hear music with my ears, right. when I hear <laughs> such such an abrupt sort of ending on such mm-hmm. a to me bad vocal line, mm-hmm. it makes me say, "Why?" Yeah. Um, ha- 
I, I want to play something. Um, Joe, could you pull up? I sent you, it's in our text. I don't know if you, you can pull it up or just is find it, it in YouTube. But it, the acapella one, the one that's oh, the isolated yeah, vocal did, track. You did send that. Yeah. I mean, the, oh the Grace Slick isolated vocal track uh, of this song. What I want to know is if this is better or worse to you. I wanted, yes, I wanted to see what Avery thought. Okay. okay. Um, oh, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to get mad again. I love that. <laughs> and you've just had some kind of mushroom, and your mind is moving apparent to me that she is a good singer she mm-hmm. has a good voice in that she is no notes are being attained they're mm-hmm. being hit um <laughs> but everything about she her has delivery fulfilled just the technical really, requirements <laughs> <right. laughs> everything about her delivery just pisses me off because it, uh-huh. it's it seems so wholly um just contrived and unnatural and not and just too well thought out for for rock and roll. It's like mm-hmm. be yourself, don't be whatever whatever this is. Okay. So this uh, I, this leads me to my next question for you. Um I feel like part of your issue with this is is because you you said okay, you know, you, the, the the song came on, you were like, okay, actually the bass is like kind of hits right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we listen to the, vo- the isolated vocal and you're like you, you know like yes she's hitting that she hits a note it's like obviously i can tell she's a good singer it's not for me be yourself whatever do you think part of what you hate about this is uh, something you were kind of alluding to there which is like the self-seriousness of the the classic rock canon and the classic rock snob as a person the type of person who has elevated this song in a way that you are opposed to? Do you See, think it has almost to do with that? I could not. I could not have said itself. it better myself because. Okay. Yes, that is absolutely. You are saying what I didn't even quite realize I was thinking. That's that's it. Yes. So let's drill down on that because I'm interested in what it is about that person that that aggravates you so. Right. You know what? This is, um, this and you're is saying another, why, why this is just can't another I completely off base example of the same issue that I have. It's called the Billy Madison effect. Okay. When I say to someone, Oh, I've never seen Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. If they say back to me, Oh, what do you mean? You've never seen Billy Madison. It's mm-hmm. just going to make me not want to see Billy Madison because okay. <laughs> no matter what, it's too fucking late. And it's this this song to me is one of those examples of like 
go ahead and defend the mediocre thing forever and and die on your on your little hill. Mm-hmm. You know, fans of this song rather than say looking at something that's new and is different or right or just like has come along looking since. at it looking at it in a modern context not in like oh well this song is important and that's why mm-hmm. it's good mm-hmm. because it's important because mm-hmm. i would mm-hmm. argue that there's a lot of things that were were or are culturally important that aren't that's necessarily sad. good right I, right i think that's yeah i think that like it's good to think about when this came out and what pop culture was like at that time. And so the, those those people who today are like, you got to know this record. It's it's like I have a whole problem with with like hip hippiedom. I mm-hmm. my parents were sort of hippies. And by that, I mean, drug addicts uh, who were fans <laughs> of classic rock. Um, and. You know, so this whole thing of the, you know, turn on, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out, hippie shit, you know, that's what they they grew up in. You know, Mm -hmm. they were little kids in the 60s. So that was their pop radio. But all of these things that are like cheesy now were were sort of revolutionary at the time of like, you know, acid was legal. Um, Right. I was just reading this great story about. So Grace Slick, who wrote this song was kind of she came from a sort of privileged background and she went to the same like prep school as Nixon's daughter and got invited to something at the White House in the in the middle of like like you know pre Nixon getting the can and holy uh, crap mid Vietnam War this already speaks to I think something that I would imagine irritates Avery, which is the hypocrisy. Yes. <laughs> That's the hippie, what really the post hippie. Yeah. The yeah. post hippie world. So here is Grace Slick icon of uh, hippiedom, uh, attending the white house, uh, as a, a guest of Richard Nixon. Well, icon, oh she almost of con- so conservatism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets worse. But she like what she got a plus one and she tried to bring, she tried to bring Abby Hoffman, he was he was like a major influence in the in the sort of sixties sort of hippie anarchist type stuff, and their plan was she was going to bring him, and he was notorious already, and they were going to dose Nixon. <laughs> their plan Whoa. was to dose Nixon, which I respect. I think that's awesome. That's cool. They were going to give him yeah. like a like a like six hundred mic. Like they were going to kick his ass, and and they yeah. ended up not going. But they bailed. They bailed. Damn. Oh. So at the time, this huh? this kind of thing like is supposed the what to be ifs on that. Oh my god, that would have been right. history would be a lot different. Um, but like the the at this time, the summer of love. Like, the, let's think about the other shit that's going on. Like, you have the you have um, you know, Kennedy was shot a few years ago. We got, you know, it's a year before the whole. Like DNC, you're getting you're getting college kids getting shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, RFK is, is 68. Yeah, r- you know, race. The fucking Black Panthers were getting killed in their house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like horrible things are happening. The Vietnam War. People are coming back all fucked up, and then they're getting like shit on by these hippies. Right. Because they're well, baby killers your- in Vietnam. So like, yeah, there's some serious shit going on. And and the Summer of Love people, they have this massive platform and their message is 
get get high and and learn about yourself <laughs> and learn about the world and and go on and piss off all the uh, all the people make a lot Kinda, of money but, make but, tons of money doing it make all these business deals with you know managers and promoters and and all these things and and, yeah. and contracts and spread this message to the kids like hey everyone do acid and that'll solve everything meanwhile they're still perpetuating every fucking well, I think thing. also they're not even directly saying that. They're saying hookah smoking caterpillar. <laughs> right. They're going like to a level removed from the, like, as Avery said, be yourself. Like, but it's take so, an actual stance. It's so, right. like, self absorbed. It's so, and yes, it's so yes. tone deaf. Like, it's kind of like you see this all the time. Horrible things have been happening throughout the course of history, especially in America, especially in America. And, you know, there's the people who, actually say something and then there's the people who are like yeah 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 we're fucking we're i it's it's funny to me because like these hippies they they a lot of the time they i'm not i'm not saying like i keep saying hippies derogate like i like a lot of this music i I'll, i'll have to confess like i grew up really really into like summer of love hippie shit Mm -hmm. i was a big beatles fan like it just came from like my parents and and that Mm -hmm. stuff so this album surrealistic pillow is one i bought the cd maybe when i was like 12 or 13 because I, again, like you're saying, I was supposed to right as a kid learning classic rock guitar and uh, someone who considered myself like counterculture. I need to know the history of the shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was big nerd. Um, and it's a kind of a, was, was a big nerd was a big nerd. No, I continue to be not anymore. (laughs) No, I'm cool now. I'm in bands. Um, the, I never really liked the, the album is kind of forgettable, but like, you know, I think a lot of that, um, a lot of the psychedelic stuff that is supposed to be important is, um, sure. I, th- I had a similar experience with like the early Pink Floyd stuff where, uh, I think that first record is like, it's very forgettable. Like, I mean, there's like some, okay. I, I do think that's, that's some of that stuff, like f- probably at the time to your point, like felt more meaningful um, or, or like was, you know, I don't know. It was taking, it was trying to elevate rock music to art, which is respectable, but sure. I think some of it doesn't have the longevity and to Avery's point is kind of still shoved down your throat and you're, you're told you're supposed to care about it. Yeah. Any thoughts, Avery? Um, I think my biggest takeaway from this revelation about Grace Slick's past and <laughs> upbringing, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no shit. She came from money probably and was like conservative adjacent or like, you know, that's not what I mean. It, no, no shit. She was, um, she had connections or, right. or whatnot, which is like not very counterculture, not very cool, not very like coming up on your own. You know, you mm-hmm. had, you had someone else to support you, but I think that's definitely a problem I have with all music in general. <laughs> and I probably should learn to give it up because if I had to not listen to every artist that came from money, I don't know who's left. Like, I don't know. A lot, a lot of, I have to remove a lot of people from my, um, well, especially now, but I do think that it's not to say that that wasn't as prevalent in the sixties, but it does feel like the industry was not, it hadn't really been recognized as the sort of like 
huge money maker that it would go on to. I mean, I think that kind of it like peaks in like the eighties into the nineties where the music industry come become kind of balloons. I mean, even like look at like the hair metal bands that come out in the eighties. Like people hadn't realized the commercial potential, I think, mm-hmm. to the degree that they would yeah. later. And then and that just becomes a, where it is business first. You know, but there's, you I know. think there was still like the potential for organic, for like truly organic. Um, the hippie movement is, I think, an organic kind of. Yeah, moment, totally. You know, Certified the organic. Ashbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very crunchy, very granola. But the, like that hate Ashbury district is like it's super small. You know, like there really was something happening there. Yeah, that did get exported in the way that J- that Joe mentioned um, earlier, and and uh, but. I don't know the degree to to which that was like uh, supported by moneyed people who came to San Francisco. The way it would be now, where yeah. you can't go to San Francisco unless you have a trust fund or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, sp- speaking to that, I, I feel like there's probably less. This is like pre-punk rock. There's less of a stigma in pop culture for being privileged because a so many more people were like middle class <laughs> at the yeah. time, and then also like. That's true. Which also meant middle class meant something a lot more um, comfortable than it does now. Uh, and then also they were just, you know, they're rock stars. There, there isn't this idea that like, and then, and then also like controversy has always been like a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. I feel like at this time there's this, there's this like Frank Zappa thing about, he, he yeah, there's a quote about like, before the hi- the hippies got old enough to start running record labels and stuff, right? The old guys were like, "Well, I don't know what this shit is. It's bizarre, but people are buying this physical commodity, and we're making yeah. lots of money over it. So yeah, give me the weirdest shit you got because mm-hmm. the controversy is going to make us a lot of money." But the thing is, is like this controversy seems. This was probably their most controversial song too, because this is this thing was banned all over the place for being kind of uh, drug, mm-hmm. referencing drugs, and you know, by today's standards, it's comically tame. tame. Yeah. And so it's like this this controversy that they're talking about, like this isn't the right controversy right now. But I guess there's the selection bias of if it was meaningful and was about shit that was actually going down and not in like a tangential sort of, you know, metaphors on metaphors way, it wouldn't be popular. Right. You can't just come out and say like, take acid and a lot of pills. Right. (laughs) I mean, maybe you can, I guess they're like Molly Percocet. Molly Percocet is the chorus of a song from the past like five years. So maybe you can just say take pills. Well, you know, drugs. Uh, I guess not then. (laughs) <laughs> but not then, but not then, right. Um, so, Avery, I have a question. I kind of take this in a, in a slightly new direction or sure. related direction. Do you have any feelings on uh, Somebody to Love, the other big song off the same record that came out earlier that summer in the summer of love, I think <laughs> in like June or whatever, this came out in August or something. Uh, you famously, know, Steve, yeah. I don't know it. You don't know it. Oh, no. okay. Well, you don't so know important. that? It's so important. <laughs> you have to know it. How could you not oh know it? It's so God. important. It's a classic. And, yeah. and while oh, we're on the topic, idiot. have you seen Billy Madison? <laughs> Dude, 
I can't gonna, believe you, you must have heard somebody to love. I mean, it's in like it's in movies. It's in it's yeah. I'm sure. Maybe I, I'm sure. I, I, I you've heard it. it. Yeah, you just not don't. The may look like kids. Okay. Oh, yeah. This song rocks. That song rocks, right? Okay. <laughs> that song's very good, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's way better so, than So, interesting point about that tune is is uh, no one in Jefferson Airplane wrote that. That was Grace's brother, Darby Slick, who wrote that tune like in 1963 or something. Men mm. do be being named Darby in Darby. 1963. <laughs> Darby Slick. <laughs> Straight up. Damn. Yep. No, that song, that song rules. Okay, so it's so so that this is this is the reason I asked was to to sort of narrow this down to be like all right because I think this is also very much part of the classic rock canon. Yes. Um. So the question I'm was sorry, like, are I we rejecting it off the bat? Oh, it it is fine. Are we rejecting the whole thing outright? Are we saying it's specifically this tune? So it sounds like it's specifically White Rabbit. It's not Jefferson Airplane, and it's not. Is that Darby's Joe is zooming in on the album art yeah, right here. I'm zooming in on the uh, the person holding the these, banjo on the cover on of these Surrealistic Pillow. I I'll wow. maybe I'll we'll post it or something. So yeah, I guess we are kind of getting to the heart of the problem, mm-hmm. which so the melody and just overall form of the song is not appealing. AKA right. trash. AKA <laughs> I, if I have a choice, I'm not listening to this. Um, and also is the, are the, you know, counterculture lyrics, are, are they actually so, um, you know, intense at the time that it's making waves? Is it like, I don't know. It seems like try hard and not uh, like jumping on a trend maybe, especially. Okay. So great points, Joe, this makes me think of that link that I sent earlier the the more recent performance okay and before you hit play on it i will i'll say why let's check I that feel out like so i feel like uh so to avery's point when you st- kind of strip away the magic or like w- the, the the things you're told about the song and you like just listen to it it becomes kind of goofy right but it still has like what i would say is like that like that product that like 60s production where it like it has this like dusty um otherworldly tape warmth that it that, just like, sounds reverb that's hard yeah the opposite side of the thing it's on there are some like yeah. signifiers sonically that tell you like oh this is of a specific era and that era meant this thing. you know there, there's there's still that you know but what i found really interesting about this jefferson starship version which we could talk about jefferson starship kind of reformed <laughs> later certain members of the band reformed but anyway this is a performance that looks like it's from 2019 we're sitting wow. here in 2020 um so this band is still playing this song or some version of this band but what i found interesting about this is it's kind of like all of the 60s nostalgia stripped away and you do get like just the song wow huh. so you just i feel like it's like a really clean and this mm. is a negative thing yeah. it's like a really yeah. clean um yeah 
just like uh, no, uh, like just dressed down version yeah. of this because it's just like raw guitars and amplifiers and like the person singing. It doesn't have any of that it, '60s studio magic. It doesn't have the and aesthetic of yeah. We're yeah. going back in time to the right back to the '60s. Yeah, and I think it's just interesting to hear that and just hear the song to Avery's point. Also done like you know 50 years by, by, later yes by, by hippies who people. are yeah who are like 75 years old now and kind of don't dress like hippies and don't play don't play guitars that hippies play like they're playing like you know line six type amps like really digital <laughs> yeah they got the good the, bad sounding for the they, listeners yeah. at home there's someone in the front row area in like a really bad fedora type hat right like yeah. this is the man that's going to this show yeah. yeah, in the front, in the front. Let's see. Let's give it a. Let's give it a quick. Yeah, let's hear it. Look. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they sound like a local classic rock cover band. Dave covering I mean, their Steve, own song. Why don't you Dave? Dave Sachs. <laughs> yes, like <laughs> those drums. Right, I've seen this before. Yes, yeah, and and I've said I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and you were at the state fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think is- like with all the magic stripped away, like that's the song. Seeing this makes me think of like really the evolution of the hippie into the boomer. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like it's 50 years later, like uh, they have to play this song. And they're I feel like they're they're a band that just went, "Okay, we got our hits and and then forever I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but like the later output of Jefferson Airplane and then Starship is like. Well, we've covered that on this boring. show. <laughs> they did the thing like every other Although band. I don't, know, I don't know if we released that episode, but we did. We will someday. We did record an episode about Jefferson Starship. Yes. yes and their other <laughs> massive hit. Um, we built this city. On rock and roll. Yeah. Which you may and, or may so not it's know. All, they've always been a big in, money band. They've always been like a, we got a hit single band. They've got, they've, they've always been like, um, and I, I think it's kind of interesting to think about like this song in particular. I want to sort of bring it's it. It's more of that hypocrisy too that we were kind of talking about. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, I want to contrast this with an earlier performance of it, which was at, oh, I guess we don't really need to. I was going to play the Woodstock performance, oh. but it's really not that exciting. It's it's kind of for one thing the camera the cameraman is just honed in on on like a very tight close up of Grace Slick's face. I kind of wanted <laughs> to talk about that for a second too. I one of the people who my grandfather was a big classical music guy, but also mm-hmm. was like he was you know a cool guy in his forties who smoked pot in the sixties and hung out with twenty year olds. Uh, recently divorced and. Nice, is he single? What's up? 
uh, he's dead. But <laughs> oh, shit. so technically, Sorry, yes. No, it's cool. It's set it up. <laughs> technically, um, yes. Technically, yes. We all die alone. Um, <laughs> so his thing was like he had these singers where he'd be like, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'm like trying to do his accent. He had a gnarly Rhode Island accent. Um, no, I'm not going to do it. Great, <laughs> I, I trained it out of myself, so I, I can't do it anymore. Uh, he was like Grace Slick, you know, listen to listen to white rabbit or somebody to love just an incredible voice because it's like it is kind of like they came out of folk rock and so mm-hmm. it is kind of that like very technical like joan baez yeah super clean very technical vibrato classical type stuff it, it has that sound to it but it, like R- linda ronstadt as well whose voice i can't really stand he would also talk about her but it's this kind of veiled like he had the hots for her uh, and uh-huh, that's uh-huh. what it was. We were listening earlier. We were listening to that isolated track and the video that the person uploaded it. It was like a Ken Burns slideshow of like pictures of Grace Slick, like yeah, looking beautiful or whatever. And so there is that kind of like it's like a creepy thing, especially in such a a, a male dominated scene at the time. Again, very hypocritically, like. I saw a comment on one of these is all caps, some boomer on a, on a video that was like one of the best female songs of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the song's female. All right. Yeah. Um, but like female song. <laughs> horrendous. All my songs are men. No. <laughs> I never thought to gender them, but. Now I did. Now that you, you have to yeah. re-listen to your your catalog with that in mind. They're actually they're actually all boys, and they're boys. They're five years old. My songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so this song, though, it has a longer history than just the the nineteen sixty seven release. Grace yeah. Slick was came into Jefferson Airplane after um, their first record. And the the origin of Jefferson Airplane, it was created by Marty Balin, was the founder, and they had another singer who they who they replaced with Grace Slick. And Grace Slick brought two songs from her old band, The Great Society, which released one record by um, one record that was produced by Sly Stone of all people, who cool. in an interview I saw that he ended up. Replaying all the instruments, Sly Stone, notoriously a <laughs> uh, uh, perfectionist, because this band was absolute garbage. I'm very quickly going to play the original recording by the Great Society of oh um, wow of uh, White Rabbit, and I think there's something right off the bat that you'll notice. Wow. Okay. I, this guy. Awesome. I only. I so I found there's because they she the other so you you mentioned she brought two songs. Yes. The other song was somebody to love, somebody which to is love. very funny because as you said they've been playing these hits for what sixty years or whatever. Yeah, and getting close. Getting close to sixty years of playing these songs that they did not write. Like that it's, also it's a very these, weird. These are people in their early twenties too. Yeah, and it just—it's very odd. So anyway, they, there's also a Great Society version of "Somebody to Love," which I listened to, uh, but I'm fascinated. Let's play this uh, Great Society White Rabbit. Okay, <laughs> buckle up.
larger And one pill makes you small And the ones that mother gives you Don't do anything at all Go ask Alice When she's ten feet tall That sure was different, huh? Yeah. Wait, so th- I'm seeing four people in this picture. Yes. But that sounded like a much bigger band than four people, did it not? Yeah, it did. I'm not sure what the, the lineup was there. This was um, uh, Grace's husband, Jerry, was in the band, and her brother, Darby, was in the band. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear this because there it's a jam band, basically. It is Fully. like four and a half minutes of jamming out. It's a little faster with like a guitar solo and a clarinet just honking away. Right. <laughs> Fucking um, honking. Yeah. What, 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 let's, let's hear from Avery real quick on this. Yeah. Any, what do you any, think? Any, uh, is, is, is this better impressions? What? Yeah. Where, where are we at? What do oh, we feel about the original I'm now? So I really was invested in the trajectory <laughs> of this version because it was so insane to me i was like just so different from the version that we know and hate so um (laughs) i think i'm just gonna go ahead and say i prefer this oh wow okay and because i think they're not maybe trying quite as hard as they are in the the Uh well-known version to do something Maybe do a you know a different arrangement, be a little bit out of the box. This sounds sort of like a more traditional '60s sound mm-hmm. that I guess I've I feel a little more familiar with, and uh-huh. in that sense, it feels less try hard, shit contrived vibe. Uh-huh. Hmm. Interesting. But also, okay. so it I don't comes know. back down to authenticity once again. Yes. Yes. Um, Got it. I'm, I was also, I guess, I was listening to see, was the affectation of of Grace's vocals going to change greatly? Um, and I don't, I don't think it did. I don't know how she's you guys been given feel. that same performance since the start. It feels right. like, and she's still doing it. Kind of interesting to see that, right? She like, yeah, she stuck with That's this it. delivery. It's a deliberate and bizarre delivery of like a useless melody, and <laughs> you're com- you're committing to the bit. Yeah. Right, and it she she wrote the song too, like in like 1963. So this didn't become a hit until four years after the conception of it. Hmm. Um, the she lyrics, had a long time to really hone it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we, this is where we came to. Yeah, I think I think it's probably good to talk about <laughs> okay. like how the song was written a little bit too. Sure. Um, something that Avery, you're talking about like the melody. What what about the melody? Uh, and the harmony and stuff like do do you have sort of a, a an overall like what about it um pisses you off it, it has this just inexplicable bad feeling to me that i have a really hard time pinning down what i do and do not like about music this is like something uh-huh. that comes up with my band a lot like i'll hear a Ooh. guitar solo and be like i love this do that and my guitar player would be like, that's just like a bunch of wrong notes or something. And that's why I'll be like, okay, I guess that's why I like it. I guess do that. So with these questions, I'm struggling to, you know, pin pin down what it is exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just 
not at all like a catchy singable melody uh, to me. Um, not something I would ever want to return to get stuck in my head in a good way. Um, the, the qualities of music that I enjoy don't, don't exist in, in mm. her, in this vocal part that mm. Grace is giving us. I, I do think it's somewhat static. Yeah. Like it, 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 it doesn't even, it, it, I mean, even the structure doesn't really like move forward. Like there's not a lot of like momentum. The, the drums have like this like repetitive shuffle yeah. You know, it, it, it's very, like, stuck. It's one of those songs that you don't have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. And I think it's a hit off of, the, off of like, the first 20 seconds. Like, it's, it's just continuous, the same thing over and over again. But it's so novel that that's the hit. It's just dun, right. dun, 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 whoa. Dun. Right. What's and I guess I do down? appreciate the dark vibe, which I guess counteracts mm-hmm. everything else that I was saying about I was wondering, would you guys like to take a trip with me into the uh, music theory corner? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Welcome to the music theory corner. We haven't been in the corner in a long time. It's a little dusty in here. Mm. Um, But I kind of wanted to talk about this, this, the the, the sort of harmonic and melodic content of this. And it kind of goes to the the writing of the song, too. So, like you're saying, there's kind of this dark, mysterious vibe, right? And it's a sort of a slow cooking kind of dun dun da da dun dun. So basically, every element of the song is lifted from something else, really. First off, the scale uh, that this song is kind of built around is uh, something that's referred to by a lot of different names in a lot of different cultures. But um, the name that I first heard was the Spanish Phrygian or the Phrygian dominant scale. It's it's a very stereotypical kind of scale. It's associated with like flamenco music, and then also it's the scale that Hava Nagila is written mm-hmm. on in Miserlu. It's this. Dun, 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 dun. I'm not gonna be able to sing that, but I'll put in. <laughs> I'm gonna drop in a little. Throw it I'm in gonna there, play yeah. the scale. So the the structure of the scale is one flat two three four five flat six flat seven one. So essentially, okay. we have like a Phrygian scale. However, the um, the minor third is the major third in this case. And then in this in this they sort of play around with both the minor and the major third. So there's this kind of um, so it never unresolved. settles. Yeah. yeah, and this is also like. Um, I, I think a song that comes to mind with this would be like uh, the tune Nardis by Bill Evans or um, one of the origins of this song, according to Grace Slick, is she did acid and listened to the record Sketches of Spain by Miles Davis, which was had beautiful arrangements by Gil Evans, not Bill Evans, mm-hmm. Gil Evans. And... Um, <laughs> It, the the one specifically is uh, Concerto to Aaron Wes, which is a Rodrigo guitar piece classic.
And so Miles Davis does this version of it that is very long and, and atmospheric and has this kind of thing happening. And so that was where that came from. And then uh, the the motif of the the dun 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 that's from Rebel's Bolero. Mm-hmm. Right, the bolero goes for like six minutes of that 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 drum piece, the hardest hardest orchestral snare part you could possibly do because it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Dun, 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 dun. And then the lyrics are from essentially a, a reading of Lewis Carroll. So it's kind of just like mm-hmm. there's an acid trip, and then these things kind of came together, and then the band played it. I, I just that it's so hackneyed though. And like even kind of like appropriative in right. a way to hear Actually, that because it's called like it's 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 really popular in like both like Middle Eastern music and then like it's also people call it the Jewish scale sometimes because yes it is the Havana Gila scale and um, the fact that this is kind of the mysterious element. Mm. It, it kind of speaks to the whole vibe of the Summer of Love people that I, I think the the how appropriative all of it is sure. like concepts yeah. of like meditation and transcendence and things like that they're presenting as and even the visual just the aesthetics of of uh, uh, a lot of native uh, or indigenous excuse me indigenous iconography indigenous people of the america or right this continent whatever you call it. um yeah uh, uh beads and feathers and moccasins and the whole you know yeah headdresses and things I saw Avery almost like itching to speak. I feel like, are we still in the music theory corner? Or um, I've kind of wandered out of it. Uh, but, okay. but you know, just, just so you know, that scale is like the, the, the thing that this hangs out in and it just always sits there. It, it It's like naturally just resolved. It just sits there. Right. It, it doesn't right. go anywhere. And that, and that exoticism is kind of annoying. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Avery, I saw you itching to, to say something. My, well, mostly what I wanted to say was I love Music Theory Corner with Joe Oaks. That's very Amazing. nice. That I um, am just very not um, in tune with, with Music Theory. It's the only class in college that I ever got less than a B on um, <laughs> or in. Um, it's just not, never been my thing at all, which is probably why. I I am who I am. I write like four chord songs, but um, what I what I was thinking of and what I wanted to say was when I think about the Alice in Wonderland theme, um, mm-hmm. which is a you know referencing a, a story of of that nature. I mean, what, so when did the movie come out? And compared to this, that would be interesting to me because I don't know because I feel like did they popularize Alice in Wonderland as a um as a cultural thing or was the movie was the movie first I don't know either way who did it best it's Gwen Stefani with what you're waiting for <laughs> that is my preferred um Alice in Wonderland themed song I didn't I mean, know I gotta listen what is that's it? it yeah we should pull that up oh what you're gonna have to skip the, the Ooh, this is my I, this is my Billy Madison I, this I, is I, yeah what do you mean okay it's called is it called What Are You Waiting For? What are what you, you waiting, waiting for? What you waiting for? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, the music video has like, like a three minute long intro. You got to skip, but. Like a day needs to be. 
Wait, wait. Is that melody interpolated by like Lady Gaga later? Anymore. Isn't oh, that yeah. Really yeah. Wow. What song is that? What song is that? Um, on the I got my head floor. in my heart on the dance floor. Um, yeah. Telephone. Telephone. Uh, yeah. Is that not telephone? No, you're right. Damn. You're Which damn came right. out after, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. And I mean, so Joe Oaks had Jefferson Airplane. I had uh-huh. Love Angel Music Baby by Gwen Stefani. Um, this album is not it's not good Ah. it's great i mean the whole point of this podcast (laughs) is what's good and what's bad i mean i i guess it was 2003 ish which is Mm -hmm. i'm like nine so this is Mm -hmm. this is what mattered to me then Mm -hmm. and yeah we. she was your grace slick yes (laughs) she was and she is this is kind of a better grace slick take on the oh, whole thing up next wait look at this up next lady gaga telephone mm. this one <laughs> the rabbit hole steep is deep and we hole. are in it damn i'm very curious now if that was uh, if that was like sampled or interpolated or whatever definitely you like call it by singing the same melody heard oh, both of the songs a million times and never made that connection until just now but now that you say it it's well I, sometimes for some of us we only have to hear it once mm-hmm. but you know i mean everybody's different so and especially this, me i'm built i'm built different this music video also has a three minute intro what is going on here <laughs> oh, <laughs> the parallels this is quite the Quite the digression. <laughs> this is we're way out there. We I, are. Because I'm, I'm ready to start talking about like the co- decline of Gaga. I but. have a way to come back, but okay. hold on. Okay, so it looks like no, uh, uh, neither Gwen Stefani or Linda Perry, the songwriters credited on "What Are You Waiting For," are credited on "Telephone." Hmm. That said, if either Gwen Stefani or Linda Perry wants to contact me, I have a great idea for a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. there's a lot of money in this. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can wrap this by. Joe, by tying uh, Music Theory Corner back to, I think, Avery's biggest beef with this whole thing, you know, you you sort of, Joe, talked about the way that the song was composed by pulling, really stealing these different elements and that really had no direct connection to the writer of the song. Right, yeah, it's just vaguely, like, spacey. And then later... Right, and then later it's performed by people who weren't in the original band that the song was written for. It's like, to me, what this all circles around is this thing that bothers Avery, which is a lack of authenticity that I think she feels, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. She may not know the music theory, but I think she has tapped into the the deep truth, the, the deep dark truth at the heart of this song which is a lack of a lack of truth a lack of authenticity validate um, me steve sacks and i think yeah <laughs> all yes. day queen and i think that that's what she's feeling and i think that that is what has gotten under her skin and i think that, that sort of case? brings us full circle yeah i think what do you say avery i i mean i think it's pretty spot on um joe did disseminate the the origins and i think we kind of got to the heart of the matter here yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I 
hope we have helped you like articulate what it is that has irritated you about this. Um, not Maybe. so much, but we can try again sometime. <laughs> You're always welcome back on the pod. Thank you guys for having me because I love when I get my way just by just <laughs> by texting Steve Sachs and saying, put me on the friggin' podcast. Put me on the pod. And he's yeah, like, no. yeah, no shit, I'll put you on the podcast. We're gonna roast we're gonna roast your music or whatever <laughs> he said. Uh, I said, which of which of your songs would you like to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> but, but yeah, this um, speaking of your songs, speaking of your songs, um, Avery, why don't you tell uh, the listeners at home, um, maybe just plug your plug your shit a little All bit. Right. What is it that you do? Let us know. Yeah, tell tell us. And even for me, I'm I'm a little behind in the the Avery Mandeville Little Hag yeah. saga. So um, maybe fill us in. Well, um, I have a band. We're called Little Hag. Um, we are from the Asbury Park, New Jersey area. We signed to Bar None Records. Uh, they're out of Hoboken in uh, in this year, um, but we just put out um, a new song and a compilation of some some of my older music from my solo career days. Um, but yeah, we got some some new stuff coming out in the spring. Um, I wish I could have a more definitive timeline, but I do not yet. Um, and yeah, I make music. It's sort of um, it's sort of like this in which. Um, I, I come a lot like, uh, you're familiar with Jefferson airplanes. And <laughs> it's sort of like me complaining about things that I cannot change and mm-hmm. things that don't really fucking matter at the end of the day. And mm. I yeah. think that's it. Yeah. I mean, I will hard co-sign Avery's work as a singer and songwriter. Same here. Um, oh my God. Wonderful. This is kind of off topic, but Steve, I was in yeah. convention hall today. Um, yes. and it reminded me of the weird summer show. Oh yeah. I played YJ. So Steve Sachs, uh, former frontman of the band YJY. Um, right. I was a big, I was a big YJY fan from the, Fantastic. from the jump. From the jump. Fantastic yeah. band. And Steve, um, had me, had me play on their final show, which was such an honor. And I was just reminded about that, that gig today. Thrilled to have you. Yeah, that was fun. You played two shows that night. Uh, you played ours and then you immediately went over to the convention hall and played another set, Yep. which yeah, doing the work. And then I left my Doc Martens at convention hall cause I had to put on some shiny spiky shoes <laughs> and Lou had to mail me my Doc Martens to Nashville <laughs> oh my cause I moved to Nashville for a few months, like a week after that show. And you moved to wow. Seattle. I did. Yes. Goodbye forever. Everyone. <laughs> I really yeah, wish I just, was in we split. everything I've heard about this the jersey scene i'm like i i missed out i really did but there's still i mean some very good music there yeah Um, well we should do a full a full new jersey music scene episode i Uh, I want to see no baby are you pulling up a final thing someday oh maybe someday we'll see Uh, are you pulling up a final thing joe or or should we sign yeah i i mean i just want to talk a little bit just just a, a quick uh, to close this and and yes thanks again avery this is this has been a lot of fun um the the album is whatever happened to avery jane it's a it's a ripper front to back the the, the track tetris very good i recently downloaded the tetris app because i'm losing my mind <laughs> the one where they do like the prime time thing and i just left push notifications on i get a notification Whoa. at 5 p.m that 
in four hours, I better log on and play the live primetime Tetris game. And I, I've done it a few times. So you are hardcore. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I mean, my eyes haven't fallen out yet, but yeah. I do play a fair amount of Tetris. <laughs> Anyways, I also want to say thank you to everyone who's like listening to this podcast. This is it's it's I saw that I, I keep track of the the statistics because I am I'm vain. It makes me happy every time I see the numbers go up because someone heard my voice, which I love. <laughs> um, but like, seriously, thank you. Like, like it, it's, it feels like a ton of people to me that, that are listening to this. So if you are, I, and if you have a song you fucking hate, let me know. Either we'll just talk about it or if you want to be on the show, just, just, yeah, just let it me is, know. we, we do love to hear from people who are listening from friends and yeah. friends and foes alike. But yeah, it does, it, it does mean a lot. We have had people reach out and it is special for yeah. sure. So our, our, I read, I read Joe a, a short letter I received from a friend who, uh, he knows who he is and who wrote me a short note about having listened to the pod and it meant a lot to both me and Joe. So yeah. Yeah. It's really appreciated. I, I, uh, I, I'm surprised Merry at how much Christmas. I like sharing my opinions <laughs> for someone who's very insecure about that, but yeah, you guys are fun to listen to. It's like listening to, you know, feels like being with friends, it's like listening to friends, hanging out, um, talking smack in a playful <laughs> kind of way. And yeah, I think it's one of those things that we just kind of need, you know? Thank you. You should, you should see what happens when we talk in person. It's like twice as fast <laughs> and twice as loud. Same we alienate stuff everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I really think the only reason that this became really big and Jefferson Airplane became came really big is that right out of the front of the Summer of Love, Marty Balin, the founder of a Jefferson Airplane, bought a venue called The Matrix in the heart Saw of this. Hyatt Ashbury. Asbury. Uh, Hyatt Ash, I, I should fucking know this. Hate. But anyways, hate. I don't hate... I hate it. And all of these bands were playing at their the venue, the Matrix, like, you know, they were the venue owners. And and I feel like they just kind of got in there and wrote it. And and it feels like they just were so connected that, of course, they're going to have a hit. I don't know. Well, I, I, I can I, I'm going to I'm I'm going to piggyback off this. And this might be a good place to end because I don't know if anyone can top this story. Oh, shit. And yes, oh, no. set the bar high and I'm going to deliver. Hit me with it, father. Um, <laughs> Jefferson, you mentioned that they had the hookup with that venue. They also got hooked up with um, Bill Graham, not Billy Graham, the televangelist, but Bill Graham, the rock oh, entrepreneur. The Fillmore, who, right? Of the Fillmore, yeah. of the Fillmore fame, and also of dating my grandmother in the Bronx fame. No. Uh, before he was Bill Graham, he was Bill Grajanka, and my grandmother will tell you every time that you visit uh, that she dated Bill Graham, and she will send you his biography in the mail so that you can read about oh. it. Oh, actually, I don't think she's in the book, but she, but uh, but you can read that he did grow up in the Bronx, uh, that they did date before she dated my grandfather, oh my and um, you know, so rock royalty. We all have connections. It didn't help me at all, but uh, yeah, you know. So um, my question I is, I think that's. Yeah. Steve, would you be more rock and roll had that relationship lasted, or would you be the same amount of rock and roll that you are now? I think I'm more rock and roll than I would have been. Okay, I agree. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Because they're they're not very rock and roll anymore. They're just suing <laughs> each other all over the fucking place the whole time. Mm-hmm. All this yeah, peace, it, love, and understanding shit, and they were just they just hated each other. They're yeah. all like like it got, all got screwing each other. When the money and, came in, and, and like yeah. Millions and millions of dollars, like cool, peace, love, drop yeah, out. Cool Nixon, Nixon adjacent yeah, rock good, and roll. I, that's why I'm saying I think I'm, I, it wouldn't have worked out. No, 
So thank you to my grandma for marrying my grandfather. Thanks, grandma. Yeah, thanks. There we go. Shout out, Grandma Irma. Cool. Well, yeah, and you've I've I I do dislike this song now. I didn't really have a strong opinion either way, but I I feel like as we examined it, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's and I cool. I went in not liking the song, but not really knowing why or caring or having listened to it deeply and thoroughly. So I'm glad that we got to, you know, dig. Yeah. Thank you for all the research, guys. This is really a pleasure. Yeah. Really a lot of Thank fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, totally. Want to take us out, Joe? Yes. Thanks again for being here with us, despite the, the terrible music we continue to subject you to. Um, fuck Elon Musk. I just wanted to throw that in there. I, I was a little too nice to him. Fuck that guy. Um, and, you know, we hope to see you next time. And in the meantime, uh, don't forget to feed your head. <laughs> Bye. Feed your head. Bye, fuckers. Bye.